you're single, you can name yourself whatever you want in ways that you can't at any other time in your life. Dr. Jessica D. Mormon. Like nearly every black person with an HBO subscription, I spent quite a bit of the first phase of lockdown as if wrapped up in the frenzy of Lovecraft Country. The series gave me many things to celebrate, specifically Journey Smollett cussing and Jonathan Majors doing damn near anything, and things to criticize. Unpopular opinions, the last episode was rushed, the ending was trite and lazy, and two of the characters' names gave it away less than halfway through the season. But the thing that Lovecraft gave me that not even my history as a know-it-all wordsmith can tarnish or take away is Hippolyta Freeman. There was much to love about Hippolyta throughout the series, but the episode that firmly cemented her in the grand catalog of black women, real or imagined, who will forever be that bitch was episode seven, I Am. Watching Hippolyta meet God as a black woman and name herself through history and space sparked something in black women. We see ourselves as so many things that don't get reflected back at us when we go out into the world. And we regularly have to decide whose names are more accurate. Am I assertive or a bitch? Am I beautiful or at best pretty for a black girl? Watching a woman name herself exactly who she wanted to be and just be that was the height of science fiction for me. It was not lost on me, though, that after naming herself back to 1930s France to dance with Josephine Baker and naming herself a warrior who would slay Confederate soldiers in a mashup of timelines after experiencing lives and worlds that spanned all creation, Hippolyta ultimately chose to rename herself George's wife. It felt so anticlimactic. Here she is, a woman that could be absolutely anything, and her obligations to her husband and child create the box that contain her rightful place. I'm sure there are women who interpreted this very differently, but a woman built like me shuddered at the very idea. Is marriage and motherhood a good thing? Yes, absolutely. But I'm not even willing to give up my television and sleeping habits, let alone the literal vastness of the universe, to have either one. This first month of 2021 has shown me just how much I value being untethered. I have settled quite deeply into the rhythm and routines of my life, and I come and don't go as I please. No is a complete sentence, and why is rarely asked. I've been working with my therapist on naming myself since before this episode aired because everything that I named myself before this round of therapy was tied up in what I have to offer other people versus who I am when there is no lesson or strategy plan to develop or project to finish or life to mend. While I certainly hope to be able to name myself wife someday, I don't want that new identity to be based on how much partner-imposed heartache I endured to prove myself loyal or how many of my dreams I sedated or euthanized so that I could sit in someone else's spotlight to smile and be pretty. I am much, much happier naming myself for myself and fully believing that a man that will name himself for me will cross my path when the time is right. I have come to an inexplicable level of contentedness with being single in the past month, but there is one thing that stands to topple this one-bedroom house of cards. I wish, being who I am, that the thing I'm about to name is the biggest obstacle to my progress with something insurmountable, complex, and cerebral. But it ain't. <laughs> it's something so basic it's insulting. 
The thing that most threatens to undo all my progress in loving my single life is that I like sex. And in a shocking juxtaposition to my work style, literally everywhere else, I prefer this to be a partner project rather than a solo endeavor. Sex has initiated past romantic relationships that I had absolutely no business being a party to and kept me in those relationships long after their expiration date. Dudes who could have been perfectly wonderful additions to my life have gotten the boot after a date or two because I wasn't sexually attracted to them. Most recently, sex has had me laid up with another woman's boyfriend on and off. I mean, we've been doing this for a month now. I know you came for the mess and I had honestly gotten one too many so proud of you text messages that had me out here feeling like a whole fraud. So let's not continue to play these, ooh, look at Erica getting herself together, bald-headed ass games, okay? <laughs> to be clear, he and I were and continue to be no more than friends, nor did he have a girlfriend when we started sleeping together. His name is saved in my phone as he didn't want a girlfriend until the girl wasn't you, which says a lot about the road we've taken to becoming air quote friends. To be more clear, I only entertained his advances because the man whose contact is saved as he thinks respect for my time is asking too much. Couldn't seem to clock more than 15 days straight where he acted as if he genuinely liked me as opposed to seeing me as a good candidate for knocking up before he hit the next milestone age. To be most clear, I share those bits of context with you because one, neither of these clowns is interested enough in my life to be listening. And two, these are the things I say when I want to feel better about knowing that the list of names I am compiling for myself is incomplete without selfish. I'm going into February feeling like I am really gaining traction on falling in love with my life as a single woman. But a small but significant part of how I'm getting there is making me fall out of love with myself. I didn't want to tell you or anyone else, including my therapist, that I had fallen into bed with a man that worked overtime trying not to fall in love with me. In an effort to forget the hurt of falling into bed with a man that worked overtime trying not to fall in love with me. But today, before I published what would have been the original version of this post, I told my therapist just that. How does it feel to hear yourself say that you've made that choice again? She asked. All I hear is the voice in my head that isn't very kind to me, screaming that I know this isn't what I want, but I'm doing it anyway and not for the first time. And is this really how desperate you are for attention? And when are you actually going to get your shit together, girl? She thanked me for being vulnerable and sharing something that she knew was hard for me to say out loud. And she knew that it was hard for me specifically because I expected her to echo the voice in my head. Instead, she asked, why do you think you've done something that you said you don't want to do anymore? The answer was really, really easy to give because I'd already answered that question for myself in the first draft of this episode. Even in my singleness, I want to feel wanted. Women like me are used to being called many things, but desirable is rarely one of them. When the few people you've loved or tried to love romantically have all added to the paradigm that you're somehow hard to love, desire feels good enough, even when you know it isn't love. And there... At the point where the voice in my head would have berated me about letting something as simple as having a raggedy ass nigga want me cause me this much consternation, my therapist offered me something else. The soft gray space between consent and condemnation. The drive for desire is human like any other. Breathing, hunger, thirst, etc. When an animal is starving in the wild, you know what it does? Looks for its own scent in an attempt to track itself back to old food sources. They may know that the places they're trying to get back to are depleted, but they go there anyway. 
when you're full, you can be strategic about your next stop. You can plot your next move. But when you're starving from any drive, you can't depend on yourself to be strategic. This is you starving and returning to an old watering hole. It's not my job to judge you. It's my job to sit with you until you're full and ready to move on. There is no guarantee that when I pick myself up from this pit stop, I'll be headed in the right direction. There's not even a guarantee that I won't pass this way again. In fact, I'm more likely to fuck up this way or in a different way before I get this all the way right. Case in point, my first thought after hanging up from therapy today, hmm, I do have a dude saved in my phone as all he wants is sex. Perhaps he and I have come to some new alignment on this point. <laughs> Maybe I'll give him a call. I am Erica, a whole ass mess, but I will not answer to that name forever. Thanks for sticking around through episode three of the Love Leave Change podcast. I've asked you to email me at loveleavechangepod at gmail.com if you want to chat with me about my particular brand of dysfunction or share what you're loving, leaving or changing in your own life. Now that I've done this with a little consistency, I'm going to ask a different favor. Share the feed of this podcast with someone you think might enjoy it. Just copy the link wherever you're listening now and send it as a text. Voila, you just invited a whole stranger to watch me wash my dirty drawers in public. And I thank you for it in advance. I'm Peasy, your still reluctant but committed host. See y'all in two weeks. Probably. Maybe. Bye.